This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing in living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. I'm Brad Watson, and I have my good friend Jared Pickney joining me again today to talk about how you lead your missional community when you have a mixed bag of maturity and belief and buy-in. Jared, it's so good to have you back on and to be talking to you again. Thanks a lot, Brad. It's always good to hear your voice. This is our second episode that we're recording in one day, and it's on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. That's really special to me. It is really special. You're actually the the longest conversation I've had with anyone today on Valentine's. Are you going to do something on Valentine's Day with your with your bride? You know, we were texting a few minutes ago about how we're going to take our girls to ballet class and then go to Chick Fil A. Okay, that's excellent. <laughs> that's so so romantic, right? Uh, yes. And some of the backstory is is I spent all night actually throwing up vomiting Mm. if that doesn't gross people out to know that (laughs) that that's true so like last night i went to target and everything and bought my kids a different valentine's day card and i wrote it all out you know like love you yada 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 and i got them my my girls wanted this fancy organic lip gloss and then my son got a little Hot Wheels car yeah man yeah and i set it all up like for breakfast i was gonna make pancakes and all I did was basically spend the morning yelling at the kids like, don't jump on my stomach. Get out of my bed. That's awesome. This is real life, man. Yep. You plan and you think it's going to be, you're going to win the dad of the year award. And I like literally, I don't even know if I opened my eyes to see my children this morning. So wow, that's how I'm winning. Well, thanks for sharing that, Brad. <laughs> Thank you. What Do you have any big plans? You and Megan going to do something fun? You know, not tonight. My My son... My son actually had a circumcision yesterday. Whoa. And so at, at one year old, long story while we weren't able to do that when he was born, blah, 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 right? But anyways, tonight we're not going to do anything mm-hmm. and a lot of some of that. But tomorrow night, I am taking my wife out. Nice. Yeah. Nicely played too. Thanks. It's going to be Thursday night. Mm-hmm. No crowds. all the rush. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Where do you go when you go on dates? In it Paragold. varies, man. You know, here in Paragold, we're big foodies. Big foodies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we might hit up a Chili's. Nice. Some chain restaurant like that, you know, because that's how we are Dude. here in Paragold, man. Real authentic. We are both, I think, crashing people's ideal of what a missional community leader should be like. People have pictures of really hip, cool people. And we both were like, Target, Chick-fil-A, Chili's. The big mouth bots <laughs> are to die for <laughs> Dude, I've I've driven to Chili's like forty minutes just to have Chili's. It's a it's a guilty pleasure. Mm. So do not be ashamed Mm-mm. of the Chili's. Mm-mm. You know, speaking on that point, I think often mm. people have different preferences and different areas of foodie levels within a community. But also something that we hear about a lot is how do you lead a community when you have a mixed bag? Like you have people that are super mature, bought into the mission of God, they're growing in the gospel. Then you have other people who are like 
Christians, but not really bought into doing anything besides a Bible study. And then you might even have non-Christians jump in. And and so one of the things that I've always found interesting is without fail, anytime I'm speaking on missional communities, whether it's big training or small training or a SOMA school, during the Q&A, people always ask me after hearing my stories, they say, but what about when your community isn't filled with superstars like what you obviously have? You must have really awesome people. But how do you lead when your people are all over the place and when your people, frankly, are not that great? So how would you answer that, Jared? I mean, I'll just say this. I'm currently reading Eugene Peterson's book, The Pastor. Mm. And the last chapter that I read, he talked about whenever he planted a church. Now he envisioned that when he planted, it was like he was only going to attract all the serious Christians. Like that's really what he thought. He calls them like the Green Beret Christians. And yet he goes on, he says, 30 years in, there's still no Green Berets. And <laughs> it was so good for me to, to read that because it's reality, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know how it is, Brad. Like you, know, like you read a book or you attend a conference or you see an Instagram post where a missional community had this beach baptism <laughs> or you watch Jeff's video and how they mm-hmm. literally like planted a garden in the back of one of their neighbor's house and leading her to Jesus. And you're like, dang. Like my MC is so lame, right? And you hear about mm-hmm. these stories of other MCs and usually it's good stuff, right? And you want to celebrate and what God's doing there, but it kind of paints an unrealistic picture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you look and you're like, man, every MC seems like they're filled with nothing but Jesus loving missionaries. And my MC consists of a bunch of just half invested people who are incredibly needy and incredibly messy. And the truth mm-hmm. is there's no such thing as a superstar Christian. And therefore, there's no such thing as a superstar MC. That's right. From my personal experience, been at this now for six years here in this context, and was uh, at a church in, in Louisville before that, where, where they were doing missional communities, called community groups. And from my experience, man, all missional communities are really messy because they're all filled with sinners just like me. Oh, definitely. And I can remember this one time we were leading a missional community. Some folks were like raised Christians, but now they weren't sure at all if like the God or the Bible or any of it was real. All they wanted was like, we just want to come and learn some spiritual practices. And we're like, okay, so there, there's some of our people. And then there was another group, a couple who had gone through and were going through just a terrible grief of a really uh, deep loss in their family. And then we had a guy who had just come to faith, but was from like a drug background. And then still we had others who were like in seminary and they were about to move internationally to do mission stuff overseas. And it was a huge challenge because to do anything, it felt like, like what you're saying is like a a mess of sinners. You know, if we were trying to do a barbecue Uh, we'd have people that would show up super late or they'd show up and they'd be overly Christianese with my neighbors or other people would be like, as they're talking to my neighbors, they would say, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Buddhism is right. It's like, what are you doing here? Like, we're like trying to like lean into this mission and reach my neighbors. But uh, through all of that, I think we kind of walked away with a few important kind of things, principles, if you will, a lot stolen from other really smart people. Mm. But this is kind of what we landed on as ways to make sure that we're caring for everyone in the group and also making space for Mm. everyone. Uh, One is that we always talk as if your non-believing neighbor is in the room. 
and to speak accordingly. We're not saying, you know, we water down what we're saying so that makes it really agreeable to them, but that we can make it clear. For example, when you say, hey, we're going to now pray, what we do is we actually ex- explain what we're going to do. So I say almost the same thing every time. It's like, yeah, so now we're going to try to talk to God. A lot of us close our eyes, we put our heads down, and we realize this is an awkward thing to do in this room because what we're saying we're doing is we're talking to the creator of the universe who loves mm-hmm. us deeply. But we're going to do that. And as other people pray, they're going to say stuff and they're saying that to God. And we're as a group, we're like saying that stuff to God also. And so that's what we're about to do. Uh, that kind of explanation actually creates space for everyone. And then you're good to go. And I would say that's a really important practice to do, even if everyone in the room is almost a Green Beret Christian. Because when you talk as if your non-believing neighbors are in the room, that tells everyone in the community, you can bring your non-believing neighbors into this room and it's going to be a safe place. We're not going to be like laughing at them when they say two Corinthians. We're not going to be talking about propitiation, you know, over their heads. We're going to like explain. So we're going to be hospitable that way. I would say another important thing we learned is not to shy away from the deep stuff or conflict with your mixed group. People actually really need to see that. So for a while, our tendency was, man, that was some really like intense things those pers- that person just said, or that person was just really rude. Let's have a side conversation with them. And sometimes that's appropriate. But I think we tend to think, hey, when the group is together, like in its meeting, let's make it all pretty and fluffy, like we're the best family ever. But I think what we can do with that sort of mixed grab is actually press into it and be like, wow, you just kind of cut off our friend, uh, Julie here. What made you like cut her off? Or it, it seems like you two are actually not seeing eye to eye. Let's talk about that like as a group. And that's actually what is going to really disciple people and how to deal with that sort of stuff. It's really, really important calling them all to the mission, calling them all to service, calling them all to love one another as a family. So we don't just shy away from the deep stuff and say, hey, well, you're new. You don't get it. So I'm going to protect you from this all. No, we like call everyone to be disciples and everyone to be family, even if they don't even believe in Jesus yet. But if they say they want to be part of that, that's really good. Uh, Then the last principle is that we want to create a culture in our communities where people can ask questions and that's really encouraged. If we're reading the scripture and someone's like, what does this even mean? Or who is this guy? Who is this character? Who is Simon? Or who is Peter? We don't like laugh or do anything like that. But we're like, that's such a good question. Like, does anybody know? But we want to like, create kind of that culture where everyone can be curious. Because one of the things that I've realized is in Christian community, while no one is a Green Beret Christian, and we're all sinners, the default mode in Christian community is to all pretend like we are Green Beret Christians. Like mm-hmm. I could have graduated from seminary if I wanted to, but I decided, you know, instead to be an astro engineer. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that we don't know. So we need to have like kind of a culture where it's okay to ask, like there are no stupid questions. Like we're all trying mm-hmm. to learn together. So what what would you add, Jared? That's good. I think, man, two things come to mind is one, I would just encourage people who are listening to remember the people in your missional community have a story. And so a lot of times, hmm. man, that story is riddled with abuse or neglect or divorce or death or just major disappointment. Mm-hmm. And our job as MC leaders 
um, as disciples seeking to make disciples is to meet people where they are and be willing to patiently walk with them toward becoming the man or woman God's created them to be and remembering like we don't have to be in a hurry to get there right like we just have to be willing god is playing the long game he's not freaking out if people don't change overnight and therefore like we shouldn't be like freaking out over that either Mm. you know we use a formula that we actually took from ray ortland a pastor in nashville yeah Uh, he says that you know they want to have a culture in their church of gospel plus safety plus time and i think that's brilliant Mm. basically it's just the idea of man you want to have a culture in your missional community where people are getting hit with wave mm. after wave after wave after wave with the gospel. You want to have a culture that's safe. You're not getting made fun of. People aren't gossiping about you. Mm. Uh, there's not passive aggression. You know, stuff's not coming out sideways mm. on other people and a negative energy, not, not a condescending attitude. It's a safe place right, for, for people. It's okay to, to not be okay. It's not okay to want to stay there, but it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And then time. Because nobody changes overnight, right? I mean, like we're all really complicated people. Yes. And so we're not going to change just in one or two or three or four or five, whatever Sunday means where we're <laughs> talking for 15, 20 minutes, an hour. It's just not going to happen that way, right? I mean, you can't, you can't microwave growth. Like it just takes time. Yeah. And so that's, I, I would just encourage people with that. Like remember, like everyone that you encounter has a story, right? Like the dude that's a jerk. Like he didn't just wake up one morning and say, I think I want to be a jerk, right? Or, or the guy that yeah. he just doesn't get it. The reason he still doesn't get it is the reason you don't get it. And I don't get it, right? Like we just, we all, it just <laughs> takes time. And so, yeah. and the second thing I would just say is I would just encourage it. When you start feeling yourself getting really frustrated with the people that you're leading, just search your heart. Mm. And so, you know, sometimes I think the reason that we grow so weary and leading apathetic or really messy people because we just don't want to do the work of a disciple anymore. You know, like I've heard some of our own missional community leaders before, and I've been guilty of saying it. Like, mm. God, I'm so mad. Like my people will talk forever about the freaking Chicago Cubs, who I can't stand, by the way. I mean, I love, it's like a righteous anger towards them, by the way. <laughs> Side note, like I'm not a big St. Louis Cardinals. But I'll hear people talk forever about sports or fishing or whatever. And you try to get them to talk about Jesus, they want to talk about Jesus. It's It makes you so mad. It's like, okay, well, hang on. Mm-hmm. Are you really mad because they don't want to talk about Jesus? Like, are you are you angry at like sin or the apathy itself or whatever that may may or may not be there, or are you just mad that the reality is you just really mm-hmm. don't want to have to talk about Jesus anymore, but you have to keep talking about it because they keep kind of having to like force you mm-hmm. to talk about it because they're not talking about it. You know, does that make sense? You know, I, mean, I think about like with parenting. You know, sometimes. I think the reason we get so frustrated with our kids is because they're acting like kids. <laughs> and in our frustration, like we end up acting like kids, right? right? I mean, my wife and I, we had a conversation about this the other day. It's like our kids are not listening. They're not getting their clothes on or run away from school. Like all of a sudden, like we start yelling and we start acting the fool. We start acting childish. And I look at my wife and I'm like, hey, there's only one group of people right now that's acting out of character with their age. Mm. Like it's not, it's not our children. Like, they're acting like children and so are we, but we're adults. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why the word childish was invented, right? Because children act like children. Adults are supposed to be acting like adults. And however, though, I think because of sin, like sometimes, like just as we don't want to do our job as parents, I think the same is true when it comes to making disciples, when it comes to spiritual leadership. Sometimes we just don't want to do it, man. Like we just, if we can be honest, we're just tired of responsibility. We're tired of making disciples. We just want to check out. But I just want to encourage you, like, you know, when you feel that coming, Mm -hmm. I just want to encourage you, like, repent of that. 
Like make sure you're spending regular time abiding in the vine. Make sure you're getting good coaching, right? So that you can grow your spiritual muscles so that you have the stamina to keep doing the right thing, even while other people are tapping out. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I think that's really what makes a strong spiritual leader. It's just the stamina to kind of keep going and keep moving forward. Whenever the people who are not in some sort of leadership are, are, are tapping out or want to go sit on the sidelines. Oh, yeah. So that, that would just be the, the two things I would I would add to your, your list. Oh, man, I'm so glad you did add those two things because that's so rich and so good. It, you know, it reminds me of, of something that happens probably weekly or daily is I believe that I'm going to have this coffee or drinks or this couple is going to come over to my house. I'm going to give them the gospel and like perfect nugget just for them. And then if they don't, you know, respond to that, then I get really mad at them. Mm-hmm. How are you not a transformed person? Like I just gave you all the goods. Yeah. And this one conversation was supposed to lead to like, now you're not a problem anymore in our mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that I really enjoyed in Eugene Peterson's book, The Pastors. He he talked about how the more he got good at being a pastor and the more he you know, kind of engaged in counseling and spiritual direction and stuff like that, he began to get up to his pulpit each Sunday and look out and all he saw were problems. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I know how to diagnose Th- this person has, you know, this idol. This person has that, you know, has anxiety. This, These are their problems. And then he really got convicted over the years of like, I should stand up, get ready to preach and look out and see saints. And see, like, the people of God that he created and that he loved, not problems with the diagnosis. You know, what you were sharing just reminded me of that so richly. It's like a lot of times our frustration is an us problem as leaders. Mm. Almost all the time, it's an us problem. And then God's given us these people to actually refine and nurture our souls and do something within our own character or building our own muscles to, to see him for who, who Christ is as the powerful one who works, not here are some methodologies that I can use to get people on board. Yeah. Good word, man. I think another thing that we were, we've talked about before Jared is just how truth and wisdom and knowledge and grace can come from anyone in the room. Right. Mm -hmm. You tweeted something the other day. And you put it on the internet, so you have to share it on the podcast too. Mm. About one of the people that you're reaching to, reaching out to on mission, and what happened with that? Yeah. So, uh, long story short, our missional community is we're seeking to make disciples among refugees in our city that are moving here. And so, what it was actually, Brad, is we had a, a woman in our missional community who was picking up this Ethiopian refugee. It's a Muslim woman uh, who just has this crazy story from her past. Anyways, this, this woman, in our missional community is picking her up. She's taking her to get some paperwork done, yada, yada, yada. Long story short, this Muslim woman, her name's Haji. She notices that the woman that she's with in our missional community is anxious about some things going on in her own family. And of course, this woman in our missional community is a Christian and, and Haji notices that she's anxious and she's worried. And so what she does is she actually begins to take off like part of her you know, pull down like basically like a sleeve and, and just kind of show her like the left side of her body that had mm-hmm. been basically burnt and cut and I mean, it was just scarred mm-hmm. and marred. And, and basically she had been tortured at some point in her life. And she looked at Julie, this one of our missional community. She said, Hey, they told me I die because of this. 
Mm-hmm. But God provide. He always provide. You trust God. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we've talked about that in our missional community, how convicting that is. Yeah. So, I mean, here's a woman who, who does not worship the God that we worship. And yet God absolutely uses her in that moment to remind us like, oh, yeah, like, man, like our God is the one true God and we can trust him with everything that we have, even when it seems mm-hmm. like we can't. So it's an example, hopefully, that illustrates what you're talking about there. Yeah. I, I just pray that we as leaders would have that kind of expectation that that anyone in the room or any in our anyone in our lives could point us back to Jesus. Uh, there's the the old like Saint Patrick Celtic prayer that like he asked God every day for him to put Christ in the mouth of every person that spoke to him because he needed to remember Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think that often we think, how can I put Christ into these people? but not, man, how can I hear Christ from these people? And it kind of, I think sometimes it creates an adversarial relationship, right? Between the people we're leading and ourselves. You know, what you were saying about your kids, our children surprise us a bunch. And while we, you know, have to nourish them and care for them and shepherd them along through life with our kids, they they often shock us too, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. We had a leaders retreat this last weekend in LA for all of our missional community leaders. It was like 31 people. It was a beautiful house. It was like 11 bedrooms. It was awesome, right on the ocean. But I mean, for me, I'm an introvert and I just get drained by like noise and conversations and all that. And so one of the things that we had wanted people to do is to write really personal notes to everyone. And like you put a note, everybody had a basket and you kind of like encouragement baskets or whatever. And, uh, and I basically was just like, man, I did like a few and I'm kind of done, you know, like tapped out. Mm -hmm. That's how I was. We got home from that retreat and, uh, talking to my daughter who had stayed with some friends and she pulled out this stack of papers and it was every single kid in her kindergarten class. And she had written like a personal note to them. Like, hmm. I know you love dragons. So here's dragons. Hmm. And I remember this one time we were playing happy Valentine's day hmm. or to her teacher. Like, I know you love to cook. Here's, you know, a kitchen that I drew and you're such a good teacher. You know, you're such a good gift to me. Hmm. And she wrote it about like even uh, a student teacher in her class. She wrote her a note I'm so glad you're learning how to teach kids. You know, that's such a good thing. I was just kind of blown away by her like thoughtfulness and like selflessness and encouragement. Yeah, I think it's the same with the people that we're leading. Like they can surprise us. And do we have that kind of anticipation that they can do mm-hmm. that sort of stuff? Totally follow God, be gracious at whatever level of belief or understanding they have. People really can walk with Jesus. And Jesus never scolded people for being in the process. Mm. He mostly scolded people who had given up on mm. other people. Like the Pharisees were the people that had given up on the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And those are the people that Jesus was really frustrated with. And yeah, just as you were sharing, Jared, I'm like, that's me all the time. I'm the Pharisee who's given up on people. Like nothing good can come from these, these yeah. folks. But good stuff comes. Absolutely, man. I'm glad you brought that up. It's a good word. I need it for my own. So, Man, it's such a rich conversation that we were able to have today on Valentine's Day, no less. Mm. Uh, that our 
love would abound. Mm. And on Ash Wednesday, it's, wow. <laughs> we need to remember that we're we're dust, and uh, dust will return unless Jesus raises our bones, which He will. Yes, that's good news too. That's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Thanks everyone for joining us. As always, send us questions via social media or on email. You can send us questions for the podcast to hello at saturatetheworld.com. And if this podcast has been really helpful for you, please share it with others. Also, leave us a review online on whatever platform it is that you're listening to us on. Mm -hmm. That really helps people find us. That also frankly encourages us to to know that um, this is actually bearing gospel fruit in other people's lives and we can even cater in some ways some of the co- topics and conversations that we have on the podcast to make sure that that you the listeners are being encouraged and equipped as you're living out the gospel in the place that God has put you thanks again Jared for joining and talking uh, I'm so encouraged by you and your life man thanks for having me brother likewise man all right bye everybody Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.